Hello, everybody, listening to the OIMOP replay, those of you that do that. And, oh, actually, one more bit of housekeeping before we start. Online Impact in-person retreat has uh, been set. I haven't booked the house yet. I'm waiting to see how many people RSVP. I'm expecting probably about 10 people, maybe 10 to 15, depending on uh, who we're going to show up. And it's going to be in Denver, Colorado, the Denver area. It's going to be July 14 through 17 ish people can arrive on a thursday or friday and just like a little long weekend retreat and get together you can find out more information on uh, well it's actually a page in notion but you can find it right from the online impact dashboard at dyeb.link slash oi dashboard bookmark that dyeb.link slash oi dashboard more information on the in-person retreat and if you're listening to this i need your rsvp by april so i can go ahead and book the house um and or a caterer it's going to be all inclusive. It will cost a little bit. I'm not sure how much, just a couple hundred bucks, hopefully. But that should include everything uh, except for like airfare. Hopefully, it'll include literally everything. It'll be a lot of fun. What about transportation from the airport to the? It depends house. on how many people we have. Yep. Already thought through that. Uh, if it's less than 10, I'm probably actually just going to drive out in my mm-hmm. big expedition and make that work as well as like. <sighs> Maybe rent a van if that doesn't work out. It depends on how many people come. So I need people to RSVP. All right. Um, now let's kick it off. I got just a few like questions and or subtopics. This first one, I'm going to throw Bruce under the bus and say that Bruce asked me this. But this applies to pretty much all of us. At some point, I'm going to argue. Changing your brand, pivoting your name or your brand or... <laughs> <laughs> this happens every six months for me personally. So I'm thinking that everybody goes through this at some point. So uh, Bruce, I'm just going to throw you under the bus. So Bruce has a podcast. It's been going for a while now. And you wanted to basically niche up just a little bit in terms of the brand, right? Instead of our cancer journey, the our cancer journey podcast, you want to incorporate some, some more words, you want to kind of expand it a little bit to be not just your cancer journey, but you know, talk about a little bit more in the medical community and family. And you you sent me some words like heal and and life and a bunch of other stuff. And part of your reasoning was, well, first of all, you want to talk about those topics. You want to talk about a little bit more than just your specific journey. But also, you've had people in your audience say things like, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have listened to this if somebody didn't refer it. Because I would have looked at that name and thought, this is something different. It's not for me. So, and one last piece of context is that, uh, Bruce, you had your intro redone with like a, another voiceover artist. And you mixed a bunch of interview guests together and so on and so forth. And it refers to your podcast with the, the old name, right? Or your, your current name. So, here's my thoughts. I want to, I want to weigh in on this because I think about this every six months. No joke. I think it's the equation. I think it's like in the movie Fight Club where Edward Norton uh, is like, I work for an insurance company and I analyze wrecks to see if we need to do a recall. And then he lists the equation. He's like, if the cost of the recall is less than like, you know, people getting killed or murdered or whatever he says, it's a stupid example. But I think of that in the same way as rebranding. What is it going to cost you? And what are you going to get in return? And if it's going to cost you more to switch, even in like the first year, I wouldn't do it, or at least I'd heavily lean away from it. Or if you're really early on and it's not going to cost you anything, like it's not going to take a long time. You didn't do the voiceover with the new brand, you know, just switching out your logo or the name and doing a redirect and your SEO traffic is low and you don't have a lot of backlinks that are going to mess up and all that other stuff. Like it's not going to cost you a lot. It should be an almost immediate. Yes. Like do what you want. Name your business, what you want, what you think is more appropriate and that sort of stuff. Um, Bruce, in your case, my, my actual recommendation would be to wait until the next season. As in, you've already paid for your intro. You've already got the guest book. I would wait a season and then reevaluate because chances are there's not going to be a massive difference between your downloads, your audience, your traffic right now and six months from now, two years from now. Sure. That might be a much bigger difference. And yeah, it would be better to change now if you're going to maybe, but that difference is very small. So that's my official answer for Bruce is to wait to the end of this season or six months or whatever that is. And then, yeah, reevaluate, ask yourself that. But I like this 
I like this uh, idea of it's like an insurance valuation of some kind. It's like, what's the cost to switch my name, my brand, my Instagram handle, my Twitter handle, all of the above versus like, what do I actually get out of it? Is it that important that I switch? And I think it's a personal equation. So no right or wrong answer. Um, anybody else want to talk about that really quick or give me your, your 60 second thoughts? Um, I, I'm just wondering uh, why it has to be a total rebrand if you can't just supplement it with like taglines and, um, you know, your posts and whatever you, you do on a, on a podcast and your intro and all that. I mean, rather than going the whole road, it seems like you could just still change it, but not, not do the whole thing. I think that's oh. a good tip. Yeah. Well, let me give you a let me give you one little scenario, and I'm not going to get into my business case here. But um, as I'm getting a lot of audience feedback, and I've got several thousand listeners, so the thing is starting to you know accelerate. Um, I, I've gotten many many comments from people that said I would have never listened to this thing if somebody else that I know wasn't listening to it and recommended it to me, and now I have, I'm recommending it to all my friends because this is about life. This isn't about cancer, which is exactly right. So. My and Facebook and a lot of social media places have um, um, ended tar uh, detailed targeting. So I used to be able to target the cancer community specifically and get a huge value out of my social media ads through Facebook, Instagram. And I can't do that anymore. I have to do the entire health um, profile targeting. And while I can build custom audiences, that's really sloppy. And it's turned my um, turnaround rate for my advertising. It's gone uh, down about 80% efficacy. So now I'm hitting a lot of people that would love this podcast because I already have a proven track record within people. When they hear it, they like it for that lifestyle type of stuff. And uh, I want to do that. I'm not necessarily giving up the art cancer journey thing. I'm thinking about turning the art cancer journey moniker into a niche thing that's very deeper than I can go now because I'm known for lifestyle stuff to the cancer community that applies to everybody and just opening it up because I already have an audience asking for it. It's not like I'm trying to go get an audience and convince them to listen to the content. They like it. They just don't know and don't know how to find it. So by rebranding a bigger thing and drawing in the lifestyle stuff into that brand and keeping the niche down stuff for cancer, getting really into the weeds with cancer, which there is an audience, but it's much smaller. I think I can kill two birds with one stone and bring in a lot more folks. And it's been recommended by a number of different people to me in the community to expand it. So that's what I'm trying to do. And if it wasn't for the detailed marketing thing going and, and absolutely killing my ability to target the the niche that I was aiming at, um, you know, I, uh, I may not consider it, but Pete, I like your idea about waiting and letting the season run out and take a real run at the rebrand and really detail it out. I love that. So. Yeah. So it depends on what you mean by rebrand. Are you changing your name or not? And I think Dorothy hit the nail on the head, which is there are some things in that little equation, like what's it going to cost me and what am I going to get out of it? They're not going to cost you hardly anything. Changing up your tagline, changing up, I mean, maybe you just paid the voiceover artist or whatever, but like changing up the intro, like that's not, that's not even branding. That's just like changing your intro, changing the headlines on your website, changing the topics you cover, changing the guests you have on. Like none of that is like really direct, explicit branding. So start there, right? And I think a lot of what I'm hearing from you is just like, this is, is what we all do this, by the way. Like, I think maybe you're looking for permission that what you have in your head is actually the good idea, which is to expand up and whatever that means. And I think so. I think yes. Like, if your audience is asking for it, you got all these reasons why. I think you already know the answer. I think that's, I think you're smart and you have it figured out. In terms of like changing the name, changing the URL, like the bigger things that might have more tangible, immediate costs, I'd probably wait. But headlines, even like colors or even like logos. Yeah, do logos. People yeah, don't. Do what you think. You best. Can I a think lot with logos. Niche up. Lo Expand. Love it. And, and I love Dorothy's idea about start to really 
front load the concept of the rebrand with new titles and new you know, SEO. I love all that. So this has been a very helpful. Thank you. And from what I understand, the logo doesn't, changing a logo doesn't really hurt you. Um, and so I wouldn't, I mean, you can even uh, communicate through your logo without setting you back. It's just that title. No. Yes, Thanks, I Yeah. I think there is something to be said of uh, burning something into people's memory. There are people that I follow on Twitter that all, I don't even need to see their name. Uh, all I need to see is their Twitter profile, and I immediately associate whatever content I'm going to read in their tweet as being this or that. Meaning, Penny. She picks up pennies. I don't know if you guys know her in personal finance, but her little portrait, it's like concrete with a couple of coins. I would notice, I, would, I can spot that from a mile away, and I know her, and I like her, and I trust her. That's branding. And I don't think logos matter from a like technical perspective, but it's one of those things that you don't want to touch as much as you can. Changing, I think it's fine. Google changed logos like what, like five, six years ago or whatever. And everybody pitched a fit and designers went mad because it's ugly. And then no one cares. Like we know Google now because they persisted. Now they, that's the same logo. They didn't change it once every six months. They changed it for the better. They made a big deal out of it and then whatever. And so my logo hasn't changed for the most part ever since I started doing blog, but I do switch it up the colors. For me, it's like, I'm going to do what I like and what I think is best. But honestly, it needs to look relatively the same. I'm not switching up, I'm not making big changes, just like little tweaks here and there. And even changing your brand name, like what, instead of our cancer journey, our, um, this is so stupid, our, uh, <laughs> our lifestyle journey, our, our medicine journey. I don't know. Don't let me put that word in there. But even that is like so much smaller of a change than like Bruce's path to excellent fitness. Like no one knows what that is. Right. But if you change to our XYZ journey or something like that, that's a small change. that's not going to cost you anything in terms of branding, people knowing who you are, people recognizing your podcast, even like that sort of stuff. I hope that makes sense. Um, let me move on. So I want to, I want to make sure I get through these. Um, was that helpful, Bruce? I'm sorry. I, I cut you off. No, excellent. That's what I was saying. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maria, I'm going to throw you under the bus too. Let's talk about pop-ups. Let's talk about pop-ups. So uh, Maria sent me a message. Hope you don't mind me nope, identifying you here. But it's an interesting thing. So I don't know all of your specifics, but essentially what you asked was from a technical perspective, a couple of questions. Pop-ups, good or bad in terms of do they are they going to work? Are they going to get me what I want here? Because some people have pop-up blockers. Sometimes, I mean, we're talking about not even like pop-ups like, hey, before you leave this page, XYZ, we're talking about click here to register and that pulls up a pop-up. Some people might have pop-up blockers and so on and so forth. Um, and then you had another question, which I actually want to talk about too, which is Elementor or any page builder or anything in WordPress, connecting that to a email provider embed, meaning you use MailerLite or MailChimp or ConvertKit or whatever, and you want that, everybody gives you a pop-up button, right? All those programs, I'm pretty sure you can make a little pop-up button. Can you do that in ConvertKit? I don't know. I can't remember. doesn't matter. Um, but you wanted to like have the Elementor do that pop-up. Not an Elementor pop-up, but the MailerLite pop-up but the other thing pop up and a bunch of people do this for webinar softwares because webinar softwares generally have really ugly, but necessary pop-ups and registration forms. Cause you have to like choose times and you have to like do the, all the, the normal details. Uh, and I, I've, I've done that too. So I have two things for you. And then I want to ask about your specific issue. Pop-ups versus for your I'm muting you, Bruce. Um, a pop-up registration form versus son of a B. Sorry, somebody's calling. Me. I, okay, sorry. A dedicated landing page versus pop-up versus just having a form on a landing page. I think I would do what's simple. Again, this is just me. So if Maria is doing a an event, which I believe you are, don't let me put words in your mouth. Why not just put the form on the landing page or have a dedicated like 
a registration page that is literally only the form sort of thing. And so I actually want to hear your, your response to that. Why that? Why a pop-up over those things? Yeah, so the registration page right now, so I'm following like a template for some parts of it. And so the registration page is, it's like a sales page essentially, right? So right now it's talking about what the summit is, why you need it, um, the pain points, things like that. And then there's buttons for like, get your free ticket. So on everything that I've seen in any summit I've looked at is you click the get the free ticket and then it brings up the form that you can fill out. I can't get that to work and I don't know if it's just me or whatever. And so the thought behind that is, because I've looked into this and I've asked people who run summits is, if it links to a second page, so a landing page, then the thought, again, whether this is true or not, is it's easier for people to say no because now they're going to another page and it's so hard and they won't register. (laughs) Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. So this is the merit of pop-ups or not. Um, but it can't just be a form because then it's like really ugly because there's buttons throughout the whole page because it's essentially like a sales page. I have a story for you. So there was a, a long while, and I still use it every now and then, when I was using the Brave browser. Does anybody use Brave instead of Chrome? Okay. So Brave, separate company, but they use Chromium, which is the software used by Google Chrome. So it looks... It behaves exactly like Google Chrome, except built-in ad blocker and pop-up blocker and so on and so forth. There's no ads that show. You can choose to enable them if you want to, but by default, no ads, no pop-ups, none of that stuff in the Brave browser. So it's faster, and I like that. When I find things that I want to register for that have pop-ups, I'll see that little thing. Like I'll see the notification right in Brave, like, oh, a pop-up has been blocked. And if I want to register for it, I'll register for it. Like, it'll take me an extra 10 seconds even. But if it's something I want, I'm going to register for it. And so, I think part of, uh, first thing that popped in my head was those people who reach a new landing page and they're like, well, now I got to, this is a new landing page and I got to start over. It's easier for them to say no. Are those really the people you want? Maybe. (laughs) I mean. Yeah, it like and and to me it's just like like on my site I use a landing page where it's like you click here it goes to a landing page. That's how I have my email sign up. I don't have pop-ups or anything like that. So then I'm like, well do I need this pop-up here? Do I do a second site? And then after talking to you cuz we kind of talked about this morning, I'm just like I just need to make this easy. So I think I'm going to end yes. up doing a landing page cuz I know how to do that. Cuz I like I have a video from like I bought this like template I said and they talk about ConvertKit and how to do it through ConvertKit, which I don't have. And they're like, just Google modal pop-up on click. And trying to find that is painful. Oh, it's it's always been a pain point. That's so annoying to build. Um, um, Can I ask a question? Is is it just for the one-off event or are you trying to get email subscribers also? It's really just, I've separated it from my brand. So it's just for the event and like the other buttons will click through to the cart and like when you buy the pass and things like that, but it's just for the event so uh two more options one would be to have the form on the page just once at the very bottom and have the buttons throughout the page that just link to the form at the bottom you know with the hashtag right where you make if you do this in elementor you go in the elementor settings for any section and you can specify the id and you could do um join or register that'd be better and then you could link to that part of the page with hashtag register if you've never done that, I can show you in Slack in like two minutes. Okay. Um, but that's another option. Is that what I have for? I'm pretty sure like, so I'm going to the, the BMF launch right now. Pretty sure that's what I have. All the buttons on the page actually just go all the way down to the bottom. No, they do not. Because I'm an idiot. Forget what I'm saying. That's not the way it works. <laughs> so that was well, another idea. Second, um, I don't know. If, if I were you, what I would do is the built-in Elementor pop-ups and then an Elementor form in that pop-up. And if people have pop-up blockers, they have pop-up blockers. Like, I don't think it's that big a deal. So then Ele- I don't, I don't know, know enough though. about I'm- it, but they have Elementor form. So they fill in their name, their email. Where does mm-hmm. that information go? You does can make it, it go ne- straight to MailerLite. Yep. Okay. So, um, Actually, you have this in Thrivecart. I have an Elementor course, and there's a specific lesson on connecting it to your email. But Perfect. basically, okay, I can look into that. Yeah, I can also make a little video for you. It's really easy. And you'll hook up your MailerLite API in your mm-hmm. settings, like before you start yeah, editing I know the how page. To do that. Okay. 
Yep. You'll click on the form. So you see the form settings over here and you go to actions after submit, I think is what it's called. Pretty sure. And you just select MailerLite and then you'll select which MailerLite account. You only have one. So you'll just like select that. And then you can map the fields right there. Like name goes to name, email goes to email. And then I'm pretty sure on MailerLite, you can also add a tag right there if you want to, which can kick off an automation in MailerLite. Um, that's what I would do. Pop-up okay. blockers aside. Okay. I'll play with that now. Personally. I have some options now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, man, I, okay. I just want to piggyback on this question and present one more idea. And I've said this a million times over the years and I suck at this. So this is not <laughs> Pete's authority speaking to everybody. This is more like, this is something that Pete constantly has to battle. And that is just keeping things simple because no one really cares as much as we think they do. Like no one cares that it's a separate landing page as much as we think they do. No one cares about, did I get that gradient right on my BMF sales page? I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, I spent way too much time on that. Does anybody <laughs> care as much as I think they do? Absolutely not. No, no one cares. It's, it's so silly. I think this applies to everything like pop-up blocker. No pop-up blocker, different landing page. No landing page, black and white color with fancy gradients. Like there's a degree to which all of those things matter, but I think it's generally less than we think it does. People notice less. And quite frankly, I'm going to throw Bruce under the bus again. This isn't just Bruce. Several people have asked me this. I changed the dashboard for online impact like five months ago or more. And I knew it was, there were going to be people emailing me like, we're okay. I went to online impact.co. It's not, nothing's there. Like what's going on. And Bruce, you weren't the first, but you were the latest. Like Bruce this week was like, Oh, by the way, like where, what's the link here? Like I'm, I'm missing a link or whatnot. And <laughs> it was five months ago and I'm, I'm talking to all of you and I still get emails like every couple of weeks of literal online impact members who have received every email. My friend, I think Lee is another one. <laughs> it's like, Lee, Lee, I've emailed you this like a million times and it's not any of y'all's fault. It's just like, our attention spans are stretched. I don't remember the same thing for other courses I bought. Like, what's the access link? What do I need to do here? Um, when is this launch? Like, I was asking one of my best friends who's also doing like a launch right now. I was like, wait, when is it again? And she's like, um, this week. <laughs> You've opened the emails. I saw you open the emails. It's like, I don't, I don't remember. And so the takeaway is I don't think our audience cares at least as much as we think they do. So hopefully that gives you like a little bit of freedom to kind of like just keep it simple, keep it short, sweet, simple, easy for you, like whatever that looks like. Hope that made sense. Bree, is that your guitar? Oh, okay. I've never seen that in your background before. Oh, usually my head's right there. Not just kidding. It's my boyfriend's. So, or maybe usually I'm sitting more like right here. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen it before. Anyway, that's good. Okay. Um, does, that's all I got. Does anybody have any ideas or topics or anything they would like to float? Oh, actually, no. No one gets to talk, but Pete. Uh, FinCon. If anybody wants to go to that, I just posted this in Slack a couple of hours ago. Wendy already responded. Um, the speaker application deadline is tomorrow. And so, Wendy, if you want to, we can talk a little bit about that process of like applying, but again, for well, half of you guys are like in Canada or up North. So maybe you're not going down to Orlando, but um, yeah, it's Orlando. Sorry. I just set up mix up. So maybe this isn't relevant, but speaking at conferences, would that be helpful for like a couple of minutes? Wendy or anybody else? Is anybody else going to FinCon? Okay. No, <laughs> that's fine. I'm just curious. I wouldn't be going if I weren't speaking. <laughs> I don't want to go to Orlando. I would because I'm so close. Yes, you are. You should definitely go. You have no excuses. Yeah. Well, I bought the ticket already. Um, so, you know, if they accept me, I'll just get a refund. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Well, so I'll give you the 60 second version. Then. What are you speaking about, Pete? Do what? What are you talking about? In your speech or whatever, your presentation um, at FinCon. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. 
Uh, but I'll say it anyways, because half most of you aren't going. <laughs> That's fine. So um, me and two other people are giving a keynote uh, or big idea. They're not doing any key. They're not doing any keynotes this year. They're only big idea talks. And uh, we're going to, the three of us are going to do it together. And we're going to occupy, occupy like three times as much time on stage from what I understand. And we're talking about uh, business hardship and depression. And we're going to tie it back to <laughs> this video I made like four or five months ago where I was basically wondering like, is anybody else struggling or is it just me? Because I really can't tell. Where are the people shouting at the FinCon main stage? Like you are not alone in your anxiety about your business and money and imposter syndrome and wondering if you've got it and all this other stuff. Hey, Tiffany, thank you. Um, <laughs> her kids are destroying her house and or each other. Yeah. It's good to see you. Well, actually can't see you, Tiffany, but good, good to have you on the call. Anyway. So yeah, that's the, that's the talk. That was like a cool topic. We should practice um, on OI people before I do that or after. Yeah. I, if I you want to. I got to figure out what, what the hell we're talking about first. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah. So 60 second version of getting uh, speaking gigs. So number one, when I worked with Grant Baldwin, who's like the speaking guru, I guess. Um, don't agree with everything he said, but one of the best pieces of advice is like, don't undervalue relationships. And like, if you want to speak, meet those people right now, event coordinators, people who work for the event companies, not like just Jessica or Libby at FinCon, although I'm friends with Jessica and Libby and that's part of how I speak at FinCon. And part of why I went to podcast movement was to be closer to those organizers and also meet the people who run PodFest and who run other like, marketing and blogging conferences just to meet those people and put a face to a name can't be underestimated like how vital that is because people don't want to hire you to speak unless they literally know that you're not super awkward and super terrible and you know what i mean just like meeting somebody in person goes a really long way so that's tip number one um i don't know if wendy has it or not but tip number two right what's in it for me a compelling title and description, which is what FinCon requires and podcast movement and pretty much everywhere else that I've applied to speak um, and haven't gotten accepted. It's usually like, give us the title of your, your talk and don't just make it like XYZ topic. Like in Wendy's case, like we're going to talk about um, introducing humor into your content. They would never pick you for that. What they would pick you for is like writing a real headline, right? Like what are the outcomes? What are the benefits of learning how to be more funny and talk, communicate better through video and audio, which is something Wendy's really talented at. Um, and like learning those things, that's great. But what, why? Why do people want to know? Right? What are the outcomes? And same thing in the description. Like, and in fact, I think they even tell you this on the FinCon page, but they're like, what are, what are three things that people will walk away with? And it's nice to just state that. Like after this talk, you will walk away with three things. Number one, you'll be a blah, 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 better communicator. Number two, you have a proven framework for like hashtag buzzword, hashtag buzzword, whatever that stuff is. Um, yeah, make it benefit oriented with them. What's in it for me? Talk about outcomes. Talk about the end result. Talk about what they'll walk away from, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all I got. I don't know if that was helpful or not. <laughs> but you should... Definitely apply. You need to apply. Okay. Now I would like to shut up. Does anybody else have anything they want to talk about? It depends on, do we have time? Time for what? To ask a question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, um, I'm just wondering from the group, my struggle recently is I am experiencing some growth um, and I want to keep it going. But um, I'm, I wanted, I need a team or some, but I need some help before I can keep it going. I just cannot do it all alone. And I looked at writers, um, but I don't think I could do that. I don't think anybody could write like me and it would take too long. 
I've tried it a couple of times and it hasn't been a very good ROI. You know, they don't come back. I can do the SEO, the photography, the writing. What I hate to do is the analytics, figuring out which posts to update, which um, keywords to use for new posts, that kind of thing. So I'm just wondering, I guess, number one, would that be, if I found somebody to do that, would that be a good return on investment, do you think? Um, And number two, where would I find somebody like that? Number one, is that a good return on your investment? I would love for somebody else to tackle because I feel like I'm terrible at this. Um, literally, the last OI call was Pete going through an episode of like, wow, I'm really bad at that. But number two, I can help you with, where do you find people like that? First of all, you, pers- you post an online impact because there are people here who would be lovely at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I would probably go to Facebook groups or Twitter, whichever one you're more active on if you are in that sorts of things. And only then, after that, would I go straight to Fiverr or Upwork or ProBlogger jobs, the ProBlogger job mm-hmm. board. Um, yeah, I've been really hesitant to do go that route. Um, I don't know why, but it just seems like it's such a specific thing that I need. But it's one of those things that I hate to do. There must be somebody that really likes spreadsheets and analytics and that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, they do exist. Those people. Yeah. Are out there. <laughs> uh, Sam uh, in online impact loves that stuff and he's good at it. Okay, I'm sure there are other people too, but yeah. Yeah. Tips for hiring out. Who's got them. Somebody give me some nuggets of wisdom. Cause I'm in Dorothy's book, by the way. <laughs> Nobody. Okay. I have been <clears throat> a ghostwriter. And so I have written two articles for Entrepreneur on behalf of someone. Um, I think a lot of people are hesitant to hire ghostwriters for the reason you mentioned. Um, but <clears throat> it sounds like maybe you just haven't found the right ghostwriter um, because it's the right ghostwriter, a good ghostwriter will be able to take what you've said, what you've read or what you've written and be able to come very close to you. And then of course you're going to go back and edit and say, nah, I wouldn't really say that or whatever, but it's a relationship that has to develop over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say not to give up on that, um, that there, there is someone out there who can help you. Um, but like Pete said, recommendations coming from other people will be more helpful than just trying to find someone on Fiverr or Upwork. Right. And I did find somebody that I was really interested in as a ghostwriter because the niche was similar and I checked out her writing and she was really good, but I mean, it's 10 cents a word, um, which for a thousand dollar post, having three posts, uh, I, I just don't have a good sense if that's a good if I would get a return on that because posts can take off or they cannot take off, no matter how good the writing is. You know, true. But what is the what is the purpose of the post? Is the purpose of the post to sell something specific in that post? Or is the purpose of the post to build a content library or build or get signups for your email list? So your ROI is going to be determined by the purpose of the post itself or the purpose of your content strategy. Um, And honestly, 10 cents a word is very cheap for a ghostwriter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just to to give you a sense, um, I wrote... Those two articles were about 600, 700 words, and I charged $200 for each. Mm-hmm. So when I don't get to put my name on it and I can't use it in my portfolio, I'm going to charge more. Right, right. So yeah. uh, go ahead. Right. Uh, I want to piggyback on two things she said. Number one, the relationship over time. That can be, I want to come back to that maybe. And then two, this idea of like 
cost versus what you get out of it. So our friend, I'll definitely throw him on the bus. My friend Rich, who's in Online Impact, he has like a couple of niche sites and he pays content agencies that are a very cheap, eight cents a word, maybe even mm-hmm. like a little bit lower depending on what he does. And he doesn't, he edits the content they send back, but very, very little. Like we're talking about like just a brush through half an hour max. Like I'm going to go through and like edit what they sent and then I'm hitting publish, right? That is a very specific type of content. Another type of content would be graphs, tables, images, custom graphics, <laughs> custom photography, word for word edits and expansions and 3000 word posts that are designed to do this. And then there are even more types of content than that. And yeah. 10 cents a word is hella expensive for one type of content. It's also hella cheap, <laughs> hella cheap for a different type of experience. And so a okay. lot of that depends on what you want and what you need. Mm-hmm. And that uh, makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, it's so silly. I've paid writers as little as like five cents a word just because they, they were willing mm-hmm. to do it. And they did pretty good. Uh, one person did mm-hmm. at least. This was like a year ago. And <laughs> somebody, I'm such an asshole. Somebody reached out to me. Uh, this was like a year and a half ago now. Like, hey, um, I want you to write an article for this thing. Like, how much do you want? And I was like, $1,000. <laughs> and they said, okay. It's cool. And I was like, <laughs> the hell? I was not expecting this. Um, and I did it. And it never got published, by the way, which is a story for another day. But cost is like, totally dependent on what you want and what you need for your blog. And then mm-hmm. two, this is actually Bree and maybe it was Sam on the last call giving me this advice. So right now I am experimenting with a content agency um, who has like a team of people, which is what I want. I didn't want one freelance. <laughs> I would love to have a team who does like SEO research and outlining and writing and editing and proofing and all this answer for SEO. Like I want to, I wanted the team to like do this end to end. And I um, sent them the first couple of pieces of content and I pay them eight cents a word. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. I was really disappointed. Yeah. But this past week I, I took the advice of other people as well, but I've already paid them money. And so I have like several more posts that they're going to write for me. So I was like, I might as well make the best of this. So I went back and analyzed what I did like and did not like about their content. And I, I found out something. I liked their writing and their editing was perfectly fine. Sentences were great. Paragraphs were the perfect length and just their thoughts and ideas and that sort of stuff. It was, I, it was awesome. I just would have published that. What really sucked was everything that comes before that. Researching for SEO, yeah. outlining, making sure these topics are covered, these aren't, and doing all this other stuff. It was terrible and the opposite of how I do things. So I sent them a Loom video saying that, and I sent them a couple of more pieces of content to write, but I did the outlines. And I mean, Mm -hmm. like strict outlines, not just like, hey, maybe cover some of these topics or not. No, I literally sent them H2, H3, H3, H2. I I went ahead and wrote out all of those headlines, like very explicitly. Didn't tell them what to do with any of that content, but I was like, these, this is your outline of your post. And I haven't gotten those back yet, but I just thought I'd let you know. Like it is about... Mm -hmm working with somebody or a team or whatever, and then like improving that process over time, you might be surprised at what the, that gets in back a month later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what I do like to do is um, say what the title is and what the headings are. This is what I want. And I don't have a problem doing that. Um, but I do want some statistics and some graphics and some fancier stuff in there, you know, yeah. Um, so I'll keep looking. Um, yeah. And yeah, thank you. In terms of your time though, how much time would that take? If you compiled the content brief is what a lot of these agencies call it. Basically just like a couple of paragraphs and an outline with some data and some facts and stuff. How long would that take? If you just handed that to somebody else to create, you know what I mean? That would only take me about an hour. I mean, I've gotten really good. I know exactly what I want and I've got a whole backlog of things that I want and it's easy enough for me to 
I don't like to do the analytics to go in and say what somebody else says I should be doing, but I know the posts for, for updating. It's, it's different. You know, the analytics are for updating the new posts. I can, I can lay out that stuff pretty easily. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. It seems like I might have better luck getting a writer from what you guys say rather than an analytics person. I don't know. Or one for one for each, an analytics person for the updates and a writer for the new stuff. Maybe I could go that route. It's possible. It's definitely easier okay. to find writers. Uh, it's definitely much harder to pinpoint exactly what this analytics person does. What are they doing exactly? And how long every week? And, and that sort of stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, that's definitely, there's definitely value there, but I don't know. It, you'd, you'd have to put together more details and be probably more specific on what you're looking for. And it's just, they say, people always say, you know, delegate the stuff you hate to do. And I hate to do that. No. I, I I've got the process. I've listened to blogging millionaire. I know exactly what you're supposed to do. I just hate to do it. It's so <laughs> detail oriented, yeah. you know? Well, so yeah. that make, make a Google doc with that description, exactly what they would be doing and how often and, and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. just, yeah. I'd say start with all that impact and any other like communities that you're a part of, uh, mm -hmm. put it there first and yeah, just try it out. Just be like, Hey, we're going to go for like one month with five hours a week, just as an experiment. Something like that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks, Wendy. A blog manager is a good way to put that, by the way, that I know a bunch of people who respond to that, like blog manager. Um, mm -hmm. What the hell is the name? Oh, the, the, the choose fi folks. They've, they've been doing that a long time. Yeah. Just somebody to kind of manage the content and updates and stuff like that. Also, Matt Giovanisi used to do that. He used to have a writer and then he had like some other person. I don't know what he called them, but to basically, yeah, update old content, change links, fix broken links, uh, stuff like that. Blog manager. Mm -hmm. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I have a question for everybody, not just Pete. Um, <laughs> I like everyone's opinion. Um, so as I help, <clears throat> excuse me, as I help more people with writing and publishing, uh, their eBooks, um, just so you guys know, I just did that last month. Budgeting for women is now live. Yay. Um, so I had it on my mind to do a virtual writer's retreat, but other than co-working, um, what would be valuable for someone to take, you know, all day Saturday, all day Sunday? Um, should I include some training? Should I try to find guest speakers? I, I'm really, uh, my brain is lost in what this could be. And I, and I want to charge for it. Maybe not $700. Like I've seen some people charge. I don't think I'm at $700 yet, but I want to charge something for it, but I just want to make sure people are getting value out of this time. And it's for writers. Yes. I don't, it's specific. I know specifically targeting nonfiction writers. But I didn't know if I was going to go deeper than that, like Christian nonfiction writers. I haven't gotten that far yet. I just know that I want to help the nonfiction writers right now. Mm -hmm. I don't do fiction at all. <laughs> Couldn't help you. It's not my wheelhouse. How long mm -hmm. has this idea been in, in your head? Mm, what's today? Wednesday? So the answer I wanted. <laughs> <Did it's> uh, <laughs> I was hoping like a little years, less than 24 always hours wanted to do this. Okay. No, 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 not, not years. But, um, I just talked about it again to somebody last night and, but I've had it in my mind for, I'd say a few weeks, 
but I don't want to get caught in the research rabbit hole of looking at everybody else's retreat and then never planning mine. Where are you going to promote it for people to sign up? Email, Facebook, YouTube, podcast. Okay. Would there be any way that you could promote that and ask people to pre-enroll before you create the curriculum and think about speakers and all that other stuff before oh. you spend a lot of time and energy with a new idea? Presale. Ah, yeah. yeah. Just to I don't know why I didn't think of that yesterday. The only reason I say that is, um, especially virtual stuff right now, mm -hmm. right? Like virtual all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. Ooh, like that is pretty, that's or it could be half a day, Saturday. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just spitballing. Um, you want it to be virtual though? Uh, for the first one. Um, cause I don't, I don't know if I want to do more. So, um, and I don't know enough people. I, I feel like I don't know enough people locally to say, Hey, come down to St. Augustine, Florida, and we're going to like rent a house or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like virtual to start. Uh, yeah, I, if it were me, that's all I can say. If it were me, I would make up a Google doc or one page mm -hmm. on your site with just the bullets no specific formats, maybe not even specific, like half day versus full day, three hours, seven hours or whatever that is, but just like the bullet points of what you want people to walk away from or walk away with, not walk away from, mm -hmm. I want people to walk away from me. No, uh, well, you want them to <laughs> walk away with and see if anybody would be interested. Um, and of course you need to probably slap a pre-enroll price to actually mm -hmm. validate it. Um, yeah, if you did that and let's say you had four people interested, like you can ask them what they want. Yeah. What do you guys want to learn? <laughs> Cause I totally run it with four people. That's fine with me. Um, but then I've seen, I've seen $47. I've seen seven days, a seven day bootcamp for $697. I've seen a lot. Yeah. The only thing I know about those sorts of experiences is part of what people want is somebody to review their stuff. Mm -hmm. Who knows what they're doing? Like somebody mm -hmm. who's sold a book before and somebody who's created a book before or whatever that is, who knows, who has chops, who can give real feedback on like, okay, here's what you need to change. Here's what you need to do. And here's how you're going to sell it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But if the more specific you, you can by get, the way. nice job. <laughs> like a... um, the more specific you can get to for for me, anyway, if somebody can actually go over my stuff instead of having a kind of a an overall format, then it's more meaningful. Uh, if it, mm -hmm. Either that or networking where you can, you know, talk to people, but I don't enjoy virtual networking very much. So, mm -hmm. but I know when I got a coach, um, you know, the only one that I really liked, and, and I'm not talking about you, Pete. So um, it was, this was a long time ago, <laughs> was one that actually gave me, actually, I am talking about you, Pete, because this guy gave me feedback on my specific uh, experience and mm -hmm. uh, everybody else was like, here are some things you can do. And Pete, the reason I signed up with him for BMF was because the very first thing he sent me was a video that was specific to my site. Mm -hmm. And that, that sold me right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So able to like put re work review could be uh, a benefit of the retreat or a benefit of pre-enrollment. It could be a pre-enrollment bonus. Right. 
like a fast fast action bonus. Yeah, almost an audit. You can even call it an audit. People love that word. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Probably not Pete, though. But yeah, that's the only way I would attend an event of this nature. I don't care a thing about having more time to write personally. I don't really care about mm-hmm. learning from anybody, like a speaker or whatnot. Like I can watch YouTube videos <laughs> or all those courses I can buy. Like I don't care right. anything about that. But having s- another human being, expert or not, I don't even care. Look at my stuff and tell me how to make it better and reach my goals faster. That I would pay for, right? Um, okay. And I actually, this doesn't have anything to do with your retreat, but when I was responding to you in Slack about uh, like a FinCon talk. Mm-hmm. I've had people on my podcast to try and teach me how to write eBooks and I still haven't done it. And part of my hangup is like, honestly, I would just love somebody to give me the outline, the, or the, the step-by-step, like, here's exactly mm-hmm. what you're going to do for formatting. Like, let's say you wrote 50,000 words. Great. Here's what you need to do for formatting. Like you need to take all, all the images. Nope. Pete, you actually need to do this right here. Like I'm going to look at your piece of writing and nope, you need to change this and this. And here is the software that I use that's free to get your formatting for Kindle or whatever. And then here is my step-by-step checklist for getting on Amazon or whatever that is. Like mm-hmm. I'm just making stuff up. But having people okay. look at my stuff and say like, this part's great. I liked this. This part sucks. And you need to change this if you want to do this. And this would be a good fit for these publishers or whatever that is. Like the review process to me would be everything. No fast action bonus. Like to me, that would be the retreat. Um, oh, okay. So instead of, it's not about having time to write. It's about. Well, it's just me. This is your. Actually. Book. I don't know. Yeah. But for you, what you're saying is for you it would be actually about getting the, not the writing of the book, but getting the book done, formatted and ready for publishing. Or just tips on how to write it more efficiently. Um, in my case, like I want to write a book, I would love to write a book, but quite frankly, my style of blogging, I'm like, is this going to work as a book? I don't, I don't know my style of like writing and blogging. I don't know if it'll translate. I would love for somebody Mm -hmm. to like, look at my stuff and say like, yes, this would be fine. You could do this or somebody would be like, actually, I think you could do it a little bit better this way. Having that like one-on-one feedback someone to like look at it would be invaluable. That'd be crazy, oh. crazy good. Um, and I know from hearing about other people's writing retreats, I've never been on one, oh. way, that a lot of it is dedicated time to write, dedicated time mm-hmm. to review, even if it's like peer review, right? Stephen King talks about this in his book on writing a lot too. And he hates writing retreats, mm-hmm. but <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's all I got. Actually, we got to go. So even if I... I- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say real quick. So even if I don't do the retreat, I could just offer one-on-one reviews as as a service. You could do that. Uh, try the retreat. I mean, if that's the idea in your head, do that. Definitely try and validate. I have lots it. of ideas. Oh gosh. Yeah, I have lots of ideas. This okay. is <laughs> just one of many. <laughs> you do have a lot of ideas. We'll give you that. Sorry, my dog just puked all over. Okay. Uh, Will you guys hit me up if you need anything else? Thanks for hanging out. So fun. Thank you. you. (laughs) Bye bye. See you guys. Yeah.